kaiju island. A show where a kaiju veteran and a kaiju newbie watch giant monster movies together and chat about them. So, Andrew. Yes. I have something to confess. Uh, you know my deep, dark secret? Well, yes, but that's not it. Okay. Do you remember how a few episodes ago we were watching Gorgo and I gave you a really hard time for how much you were hating on it? Yeah, I do vividly remember this. So, I get it now. (laughs) Why? Why? So, it's not so much that I hate the movie, so much that there were several characters that really made me want to strangle them. Yeah, and also wasn't the most exciting film we've seen. Oh my god, it was so boring. And you made me watch it twice. What movie were we talking about? Gamera. Specifically, Giant Monster Gamera. Is it really called Giant Monster Gamera? Giant Monster Gamera, Gamera the Giant Monster. The American version is called Gamera the Invincible. Is he invincible? They don't hurt him at all in this movie. That's true. Yeah, we're watching, or we watched, the very first Gamera movie. Which is also the second kaiju movie on MST3K. Oh yeah, we talked about that in our uh, trivia episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. In our very romantic trivia episode. Our very romantic Valentine's Day trivia episode. So Amanda, what did you uh, what did you think about the movie? Well, it was a movie. Yeah. And it had a giant monster in it. Mm-hmm. And it exists. It ran for approximately two hours, yes. There were actors. I would say that this movie is not the best Gamera movie, even among the Showa films, because the later Showa films might be worse quality, potentially, but are a lot more fun. They're really like, you just sit there wondering the entire time, how did someone possibly write this movie? This movie takes itself very seriously, except for a few parts, and other Gamera movies don't have that. I am finding that I like the niche, like, bad but funny movies. Yeah. I think I'm finding that that's in my wheelhouse. Good. This is not that. You're discovering things about yourself. Well, then you might like the rest of the Gamera movies from the Showa series. Most of them. Some of them are. We'll get there. We'll see. It might be a while before I'm willing to come back to a Gamera movie. We'll see. So, tell me about this movie we watched. What do I need to know? Gamera the Giant Monster, Giant Monster Gamera, Gamera the Invincible, uh, was made in 1965. We've seen a few movies that take place in the 60s at this point. It's kind of where the majority of the films we've watched so far have taken place. What did you notice that sets this movie apart from the other movies in the 60s? It was still in black and white. It was in black and white. Very good. I didn't tee you up for, or I didn't like prepare you for that question at all. You just knew it. I mean, it's kind of obvious. Um, yeah, it's true. I was expecting you to say something about the quality of the movie. I mean, that too, but bad movies are made all the time. It's not a product of the 60s. That's exactly true, yes. You may be surprised to hear this movie did not have much of a budget. What? Yeah. It looked so well put together and funded. It, uh... Actually looks incredible for the very small budget that it got. And very small support even from the company. I Um, will say I did like Gamera's design. I think they did a good job with the tools that they had making his suit. Yes, absolutely. 
we watched the it's technically the Arrow Films Gamera release. I think it came out 2020, maybe early 2021. We watched it on Amazon Prime. Even though you own it. And I have since purchased it. Purchased the Arrow Films version. And now own it on Blu-ray. So, either one of those works. We watched it subbed. We did not watch the American version of it. But we will talk about the American version of it. Let's see here. This movie was put out by Daye, who are the same... It's the same company that created Daimajin, if you'll remember that little jam. I would say that Daimajin is leaps and bounds better than Gamera. Did that one come out first or second? Daimajin, the full Daimajin trilogy, came out 1966, the next year after this. Did they suddenly realize that films need a budget? To be good? So Daihei is one of the big five. They're one of the major film companies. And each of the film companies kind of has their thing that they're known for. And Daihei, they do a lot of samurai movies, thus Daimajin being a thing. They didn't really have a lot of faith that they would be able to compete against Toho, who were the sci-fi kaiju, like, kings at the time. But right around this time period the mid-1960s, every one of the five were producing and releasing a kaiju movie to try and step up to Godzilla. And Gamera's the only one that succeeded. Did it. Not this first movie necessarily, but Gamera as a franchise ended up doing better than Godzilla. Like, if you look at release, like, dates for movies that came out the same year, there were some Gamera movies that did better than some Godzilla movies. But overall, did Gamera gross higher than Godzilla? Godzilla has more movies over a longer period of time. So I think that uh, it's hard to tell. Hard to measure that. Do you think we'll get a legendary Gamera? God, I hope. Can you imagine in like full IMAX picture watching a turtle spin around with jets coming out of his arms and legs? Very easily. (laughs) I, I imagine that all the time. No, it's just we haven't had a Gamera movie since, like, 2005, I want to say. Is that when the trilogy came out? The trilogy, and then there was one. The Gamera the Brave came out, like, five or six years after the trilogy ended. Anyway, that's all stuff for later. We're talking about Gamera the Invincible. And or... Okay, Gamera the Invincible is the American version. They chose to spell his name different. G-A-M-M-E-R-A instead of G-A-M-E-R-A. Don't know why they decided to do that. Does Japan spell it at all in Latin? No, but they did. They made that choice for the first movie and then they changed it for all of the other movies. So I don't, I don't understand what the, the thing is there. But last few little things I want to say before we get into it. Uh, this is the, I believe it's the last kaiju movie produced in black and white. And it is also the only Gamera movie where he does not fight a monster. We were the monsters all along. (laughs) Mm, I don't know if that's the message of the movie. One person, oh, two people were the monsters all along. One child was the monster all along. And one creep. Oh yeah, he wasn't great. So let's uh, let's get into it, shall we? So it, it starts off on not the right foot. It starts off 
real <sighs> racist. It doesn't start amazingly, it's true. The very first scene is some scientist, a scientist from Japan with his assistant and a photographer have come to Alaska? Uh, the Arctic? Something like that? Some northern country. Or territory. To speak with a group of people they call Eskimo. Mm-hmm. I don't know what tribe they're from, so I do have to end up going with Eskimo. Yeah, there he is in the credits as Eskimo Chief. If you're not aware, Eskimo is a slur. They, that maybe wasn't super known to the Japanese in nineteen in the 1960s, but they're either supposed to be Inuit or Yapik or, I don't know, some made-up thing. I don't know even know if the quote-unquote Eskimos would be as far north as this is, because this is just like ice fields and nothing else. So I, I don't know. What I'm saying is, it's bad. Northern tribesmen. How about yes. that? Uh, the chief, while well, we're talking about him, and we won't be talking about him much more after this, so I might as well say who played him, was played by Yoshio Yoshida, who's most famous for doing this movie and one Zatoichi film, which are, again, big samurai series that Dae made. We talked a lot about Zatoichi actors in the Daimajin films. So the story basically starts out, there's Dr. Hidaka, his assistant, Kyoko Yamamoto, and the photographer who came along with them, Aoyagi. We'll come back to them. We'll come back to them. They're here to interview the quote-unquote Eskimo, mm-hmm. nor- northern tribe person, whoever these people are. The person in a fur coat. <laughs> we don't really know why. Dr. Hidaka is a zoologist. So I'm guessing about turtles. Who has heard about Gamera previously, because they said they came to the Arctic Circle to learn about Gamera. They don't say the word Gamera, though, do they? They do. Later in the movie, they say that they were studying Gamera in the Arctic Circle. But it was like the legends of Gamera. They were here to talk about some turtles that they're known for. Some turtle legends, specifically, because of what we're about to get to. So right... When the scene starts, we see some jets fly overhead, and they're all talking in English for some reason, but the chief says, the devil's birds. The devil's birds. So, you know, just a little bit more racist stereotypes thrown in there, just for fun. Yeah, I don't know. He talks about devils a lot, and hell, and it's weird. And then it cuts away to what I believe is an American naval base of some kind. Yes. And I think this is my favorite scene. <laughs> Just saying. there's So there's this guy who's clearly in charge. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like this bigger man with the strongest Boston accent who talks really slow. Yeah. And basically reads all of his lines through the whole movie. You can They always have something in front of him that for him to read off of. He always has an excuse to hold a piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the people working on this base are obviously not actors by trade. Let's that's putting it lightly, I think. And when they were looking for American or I guess Caucasian actors, they literally, I believe, it, it's hard to tell exactly where all these people come from originally, but a lot of times they would just go to the local American base. 
and just grab some people and say, hey, you want to be in a movie? And of course they want to be in a movie. So these are probably actual military people who are having some like stage fright. Well, so he does really slow. He keeps mentioning the fighter planes. Fighter planes. <laughs> he gets on the radio and he's obviously just reading the lines that somebody gave to him to pretend it's a report. And he tells his pilots to shoot down the jets who are supposed to apparently have nuclear bombs on board, which I don't know much about, you know, um, nuclear technology or military operations, but I would feel like shooting a nuclear bomb out of the air (laughs) would be dangerous in 1965. But again, I don't know a lot about this kind of stuff. I don't know either. So we then get a scene of what looks like some, like, model rockets... Mm-hmm. like NASA style model rockets chasing around some jets and they shoot one out of the air, which then falls and we get this big mushroom cloud yeah. in the Arctic region, region, wherever we are. And Dr. Hidaka, who's watching with his people and see the mushroom cloud are like, eh, we should be safe from the fallout. Yeah, that's weird. He, as a zoologist, would just know. Yeah, the idea that you could, even if you're an expert... The idea that you could eyeball it and be like, yeah, we're fine. And not like be freaking out or anything. That seems crazy to me. So we just had planes flying over, nukes, people being kind of casual about seeing planes with nukes. In, like they're surprised, but it's not a, a, a huge thing. And that kind of speaks to, I'm not going to say this movie has a message. But if the movie is about anything, then it's about Cold War tensions. This movie is right in the middle of the Cold War. And the Cuban Missile Crisis was, I believe, two years before this. And one of the things that is really happening in Japan while this movie is being made is the Japanese government decided that it felt like it was caught in the middle of a world that was hungry for nukes and hungry for nuclear war. And that they needed to approach the American government and say, hey, can we have some nukes on our bases, nukes in our subs, etc. So Japan was like a nuclear power by proxy at the time. And a lot of the a lot of the Japanese people were not happy about that. And so this movie might have a few maybe obvious to people at the time, but definitely subtle to us now references to that. Like the filmmakers might be poking at that a little bit throughout the movie like saying this is ridiculous we need to get out of this whole cold war situation we need to get out of this everyone's pointing nukes at each other situation i would say there's also that sense of everybody coming together that ishiro honda likes to bring in they are very blunt about community coming together and nations coming together yep but yeah and who knows how much of that is the director taking a stance and how much of it is Ishiro Honda has made most of the kaiju movies that have come out so far, so it's just part of the genre. I don't know. The nuke falls, it goes off, the ice splits, and then we see Gamera climb out of this rift, and we get our first kind of glance at him. We don't really see him very well at this point, and we get to hear his roar for the first time, which I described as a demon baby cry. (laughs) So that roar, no one knows how it was made. You could talk to the people who made it, and they said that they recorded 
a bunch of animal roars, a bunch of animal sounds, and like mixed them together and pitched them up and down and stuff like that, they do not remember what animals ended up in the final version. Now it's just a gamma roar. And as far as I know, we don't know exactly the ingredients. It's very high pitched. It's very high pitched. I love his roar. It's so unique. It's completely different from Godzilla's roar. It's completely different. It's not like guttural or anything. He's just like standing out there screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> Where like all of the all of the Godzilla monsters are like Godzilla's roar edited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. While all this is going on, Dr. Hidaka is basically just ignoring it and continuing to interview this tribal chief, mm-hmm. whatever tribe he's from. And he's asking about strange turtles on the Atlantis continent. So I don't know if it's Japan that has a fascination with Atlantis. I know we do as well, but it seems to get brought up a lot in kaiju movies. I don't know if it's something like unexplained phenomenon kind of get lumped together or... I think it's just, it's kind of like a an arms race for weird things that could create a monster. You start off in the ocean and then you get to space and then, like, you try all this stuff, and once it's all been done, you need to keep finding a new thing. So, I think that just Atlantis and or Seatopia, I think that that's just one of those origin things that is fantastical enough to work for this, the type of story. And that makes sense. It's just a, a theme I've noticed. The chief comes out and gives him a legendary stone... From his people, and he calls it the Devil's Envoy, Gamera. And it just has some carvings and some turtles on it. And wavy lines that really get everybody, like, fascinated for some reason. Everyone really wants to know what those wavy lines mean. What could these wavy lines be? Water? Turtles can swim. And so as soon as he gives the tablet to him, he and all of his people, like, run inside their... I think they're igloos. I'm pretty sure they're just igloos. They're probably igloos. Um, I don't even know what frightened them. They didn't run inside during the, the nuclear bomb. Nope. They didn't care at all about that. Or the jets. Mm-mm. And they just all stand around debating what these wavy lines are. And the chief says, I don't know, but it's very frightening. He's very scared of those lines. Everybody is. They're too wavy. <laughs> I'm going to like slowly bring in all those main characters that we mentioned Talk about them, like, one by one. Dr. Hidaka, who is currently very concerned about some wavy lines, is played by Eiji Funakoshi. Eiji Funakoshi is one of the big actors at Daiei. He's an incredibly important actor. He's in a lot of stuff. Could not possibly go into everything that he's done. He received the Kinema Junpo Award for Best Actor in the Mainichi Film concourse for best actor for his performance in fires on the plane a movie i've never heard of but he's he is a an awarded actor he knows what he's doing he's probably the best actor in the movie i mean he's the only one who didn't actively annoy me yeah agreed so he's doing his best gosh darn it he's also one of the few older actors that they didn't stick a bunch of bad makeup on so that probably helps with his acting jobs too. So then it jumps over to a bunch of men in the on the bridge of the boat that they all came on, the Chidori Maru, mm-hmm. and they're all they're all talking about the nuclear testing that's been going on, 
And they're like, these might change the Earth's axis and increase typhoons in Japan. Yeah. Which is nonsense, but was a very common theory at the time. That that was a, a real fear that people had, was that we were going to change the, the axis of the the Earth with our nuclear explosions and stuff like that. How? Before they exploded the first nuke, they thought it would set the atmosphere on fire. We're talking about stuff that people didn't really understand all that well. So, the, it, they're the biggest explosions humanity ever has created. Who knows how they're going to affect how the Earth operates, was kind of the fear. So, I'm not saying it was grounded in scientific thought, but it was very common. At least it's not something that this movie came up with on its own. No, not completely, at least. So, they're just chatting. Yeah, they're hanging out. And then we uh, we get our first full shot of Gamera. We do. Okay, Amanda, ask me either to talk about Gamera's name, Gamera's suit, or Gamera's actor. Because I don't want to give them all at once. I'll take name for 500, please. <laughs> uh, do you have a guess about what Gamera's name means? You can make an educated guess from previous episodes, I think. Turtle monster? Turtle monster. So Gamera is... Kame is the Japanese word for turtle. Ra is the thing you put at the end of a monster's name to make it sound like Godzilla. I knew that part. Exactly. So his name was originally Kamera, but Kamera is the Japanese word for camera. (laughs) So they just changed the K to a G because that is how letters work in Japanese. Like you just, you can easily change that K sound into a G sound in Japanese. I like Gamera as a name. I do too. It's super creative sounding. It's not super creative in origin, but they they just didn't want it to sound like camera. It's kind of like how Rodan was originally supposed to be Radon. They were like, we don't want this to sound like uh, an element. So let's change it slightly. I don't know. Radon would have been fine, but I feel like it works better when it's translated because Americans don't have that same naming system. So mm-hmm. it's naming something Mothra doesn't really translate well. Right. Mothzilla and Turtlezilla. That's what their names translate to. Yeah, but I, as an American uh, viewer, don't know that it's called Turtlezilla. Yes. So to me, it sounds cooler than Turtlezilla. Absolutely. 100% agree. Sounds more exotic. It also rolls off the tongue better than Turtlezilla. (laughs) Too many (laughs) front of the mouth. Too many L's. Accents. Turtlezilla. Yeah, Gamera shows up and they're all talking about the radios are somehow not working. They think they're jammed. And the U.S. soldiers soldiers and the researchers are saying the same thing. But they do manage to get a message into the U.S. that says, huge turtle, 60 meters. And <laughs> the response of the Boston <laughs> accent guy is, What's going on around here? What's going on around here? And and just he's my favorite. I love him. He's great. And then Gamera breathes fire on the ship. Mm-hmm. He does. Uh I guess we didn't I guess we need to mention a little bit what Gamera looks like. He's a turtle. He's a turtle. With tusks. With tusks, yeah. And he's very flat. For he some is. Reason. It's kind of like Do you remember 
the old sand pit, like the plastic sand boxes for kids that were shaped like turtles. Yep. It's kind of how he's shaped. A little bit, yeah. He's weirdly flat, and I don't understand why. It looks like somebody put on a, just like a turtle onesie, and then strapped like a kind of concave cardboard piece to their back as like a backpack, and that's Gamera. But it also looks really good at the same time. It both looks bad and good. Yes. So, in case you've never heard of Gamera, I'm sorry we took this long to say he's a fire-breathing turtle. Who flies? He Don't spoil it. We already mentioned that. Don't spoil it. We already said it. It's a surprise. Is it? Maybe. This whole episode's a spoiler. They're going to get it now or later. <laughs> I, I do think he looks good. I think Gamera's suit is one of the better parts of the movie. The texture of the back of his shell looks fantastic. It almost looks like they individually laid tiles down. I'm sure they to, did. To create, like, that... Avocado. Artichoke Artichoke, not avocado. I always get those mixed up in my mouth. <laughs> so it almost looks like they laid down individual scales to create that kind of artichoke look, if you can picture it. So he's a fire-breathing turtle with an artichoke on his back. Basically. And they did a really good job with his face. His eyes are a little glassy in that way that kind of makes him look like a dead fish. Yeah. And they're a little cockeyed. Yeah. This was the first suit that they made at Dye. So, you know, I I think it's I think it's very impressive. I'll come I'll come back to the suit later when I give you another option for you to choose, but we'll 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 get into why it might look good and why it might look bad. So we skip forward in time a bit. And now we're in an American news station with an Italian newscaster. Oh, you know what? I learned where he's from and I can't, I didn't write it down. I believe he's German. I believe he's a German actor. A European newscaster. Yes, he's European. With a very sedate voice. I, I feel like he's not the best newscaster. He doesn't really have newscaster energy. He's less good for news and more good for ASMR videos. <laughs> Or NPR. I feel like NPR kind of has the same tone. Or maybe... um, Golf. Yeah, there you go. He's a good golf announcer. He's from the New York News Station. And he's interviewing Dr. Hidaka, a zoologist from Japan. Dr. Hidaka's speaking about how ancient Atlantis was a continent that stretched from the Arctic Ocean. And it had giant turtles. And he shows his Eskimo tablet. Quote, unquote, Eskimo. I'm so sorry we have to say that word so much. And he tells them how Gamera was trapped in deep glaciers and hibernated for thousands of years and then was woken by the nuclear bomb. But he's sure that Gamera will eventually succumb to the radiation and he regrets losing such a fine specimen. After all, they do call him Gamera the Vincible. I, I'm sorry, I can't even give that a fake laugh. <laughs> that was just for me. So, I forgot to mention one little thing about the Arctic scenes. And we're talking about the Arctic, so why not mention it now? The Arctic scenes were made by taking actual giant ice cubes and cutting the ice into the shape of mountains... Like, these are the scenes where Gamera was walking in it. And, like, when the it was, like, sh- shaking open and Gamera was crawling out. It was actual ice cut into the shapes of mountains. Other ice was shaved so that it would have, like, that snowy texture. And guess what? It melted real fast. And so they kept having to make more because hot lights and stuff like that 
Made that a bad plan. This is what they spent all their money on for this movie? Man, I hope it wasn't the majority of their budget. I bet it was. It might have been a good, not insignificant amount, though. Can you imagine having to pay for, ship, and carve tons of ice in literal, the 60s? Literal tons. Yeah. Yeah. Back when we had milkmen? <laughs> they had freezers. Not big ones. I guess. They don't have big walk-in freezers. Well, they did, but not in people's houses. Not in film studios. I guess that's fair. It, it, no matter what, it was a bad plan. So then it kind of does a flash forward with a bunch of different um, flying saucer sightings, including a farmer who sees one and thinks it's a will-o'-wisp. And then he's like, is this what they're calling flying saucers? Next, we catch Dr. Hidaka, Kyoko, and Aoyagi on a flight back to Japan from, I'm assuming, New York, where they were doing their interview. Yeah. And Aoyagi gets real creepy real fast. He's, what I'm assuming is having some type of crisis about the fact that they all almost died. He's saying how all of the photographers were fighting to be the ones to go ashore, so they all drew straws and he got to go and people were even trading him a bottle of whiskey to get the opportunity to go. But he wouldn't trade because he wanted to spend time with Kyoko. They all did. And he calls her his goddess of good luck. And she's very uncomfortable about that. Or at least she doesn't react at all. She doesn't seem very flirty at all. She doesn't, you know what I mean? Like she's... she doesn't seem into it at the very least. She's not into it, clearly. Yeah, I agree. And he just gushes about how she's his, like, lucky girl or something like that. I think he talks about how they drew straws to see who could go be with Kyoko. Yeah, that's what I mean, is that that's the reason they all wanted to go. Not because they wanted to photograph this expedition, but because they wanted to be with the pretty girl. Yeah, it's super gross. And it keeps happening. It does. Amanda, I'm going to give you another choice. Suit. For a thousand. No, not for Gamera. Dang. Should I talk about Kyoko or Aoyagi next? Well, I'd rather not talk about Aoyagi at all, so let's do Kyoko. Okay. Kyoko Yamamoto is played by Harumi Kiritachi. And this is her best known film. End of information. (laughs) She has like five speaking lines, I think. Yeah. And all of them are interacting with a little boy in a motherly role i believe this was her last acting role in film and after this she went on to either do teaching like acting school and then eventually got a husband and became a housewife or she went on to do tv and then got a husband and became a housewife it was one of those two i didn't write it down i'm very sorry but it was definitely one of those two (laughs) those seem kind of different what I'm saying is, this was her last movie role, and then she did something else for a little bit. That's the different part. And then she got married and became a housewife. Got it. Meanwhile, there's a young woman who's walking along kind of a cliff area, um, Nobuyo Sakurai, when she's approached by her brother, her younger brother's teacher, who's telling her about her brother drawing turtles in class, and he brought his turtle to school, and he's not really playing with the other kids, and... 
she's, you know, apologetic and she goes home and she and the father kind of gang up and are telling him he has to give up his turtle. They'll give him anything he wants, but he can't have the turtle. And she says, we can't have you grow up to hate humans. Which is such a weird, I think that's just a weird translation. I think it's to do with how he's not making friends and she's trying to say you need people friends, not turtle friends. Right. Which I get it. Yeah. And the father says, well, if you don't get rid of it now, we're just going to throw it out while you're in school. That's messed up. Yeah. A lot of the uh, parental figures for Toshio in this film. Really bad at it. Just really like the idea of throwing out their kids stuff. Like they just really like the idea of throwing away Toshio's things. Not really. I think it's mostly the sister and the dad. And we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But. Yeah, not great examples of parental figures. No. Uh, Real fast, Nobio Sakurai, who's uh, Toshio's sister, uh, is played by Michiko Sugata. Don't really have much on her. This is her biggest film. Toshio Sakurai is played by Yoshiro Uchida, who, this is his most well-known movie. He, like most child actors... Just didn't really make it as an actor once he grew up. And I wonder why. Well, and I don't even think it, this movie has anything to do with it. It just... And I don't even think that he was a bad actor. His role was not good. Yeah, his writing was weird. But um, just child actors have it tough. They don't usually... They're not usually able to make that bridge from child to adult actor. So he just did something else. So Toshio goes to release his pet turtle he goes to this cliff area they they live next to a lighthouse because his father is a lighthouse keeper yep so he goes to let him loose when gamera appears so he goes running back to tell his family and when gamera gets closer he decides he wants to go get a closer look i guess so he goes up into the lighthouse to go look at gamera and gamera ends up knocking over the top of the lighthouse but managed but then goes to catch him before he falls and lowers him to the ground and so they're all talking about how gamera saved him yeah so really out of character for this gamera yes gamera in this movie is definitely an antagonist definitely like a monster on the loose sort of thing But this scene kind of hints to the direction that Gamera is going to end up going, which is Gamera is friend to all children. That is his his title. So he clearly is has a connection to Toshio as a as a a kid. He didn't kill him. And I think that the reason for all of that has to do with the director. I'd like to talk about the director. The director's name is Noriaki Yuasa. Yuasa directed most of the Showa Gamera movies, if not all of them. I'm not positive about that. So Yuasa was born the son of a stage actor, and he started as a child actor. So I think that maybe he has a connection to child actors in general. Like, he understands them. He's sympathetic. Like, it's where he got his start, and then he moved into directing instead so I think that he just likes working with kids. He likes like kids giving being given a chance to act, that sort of thing. Uh, so I think that that is a big part of why Gamera leans so much more in the 
for children direction than Gamera, or than Godzilla does. Yuasa joined Daiei in 1955 and then became a director in 1964 with a musical comedy known as If You're Happy, Clap Your Hands. (laughs) I want to find that. Uh, And we will talk more about his career in the future. Before we get back to the plot, I just want to say, Toshio reminds me so much of the kid from Up. Yeah, he's got the hat and the the backpack. And And the the outfit. The outfit. And he likes putting himself in danger for no reason whatsoever. Toshio's a little unhinged. And by a little, I mean increasingly so. I've never wanted to... Scream at a child. Yeah, I've never been so angry at a child as I was when watching this movie. <laughs> Toshio's personality is a little different in the original screenplay, and that actually kind of gives us a hint as to why he's as unhinged as he is in this movie. In the original screenplay, he's depressed about his... He's explicitly depressed about his mother passing. He doesn't have a mother in this movie. So that that still tracks. He's depressed about his mother passing, and he just gets increasingly more depressed, like, throughout the, the, the movie, and then he kind of latches on to Gamera as, like, a sign of hope or something like that. So they changed that, but I think that understanding that he had a parent pass recently might give us a little bit of insight into the madness that is Toshio's brain. I just feel so bad for his father and sister who mm-hmm. have to somehow, especially his sister, who somehow have to keep track of this kid who keeps throwing himself into danger for no reason. Yes, constantly. And others. <sighs> but yeah, not a fan of Toshio, not a fan of Oyagi. But they keep popping back up, so you'll hear about it. Mm-hmm. So... As they're arriving at the airport, Dr. Hidaka and Kyoko are summoned to Hokkaido by Dr. Murase because Gamera was spotted nearby. Aoyagi says he wants to come too, but they said sorry, no press allowed, so they just go off. Later, when they're on the plane headed to Hokkaido, Aoyagi just pops up and he's like, Hey, I got myself assigned to the Gamera story, so I'm with you guys. Hey guys, I invited myself to your party, isn't that cool? Stalker. Yeah. Bad, bad news. So Toshio goes out back out to check on his turtle. So instead of letting his turtle go, he had put it in this little like structure he made out of stacking some stones together. But he's not there. They have this little um, this shot zoomed in really close on his face and jumping to different angles. It looks a lot like something you'd see out of like a racer head. What is the name of his turtle, Amanda? Chibi. His name's Chibi in Japanese, but the subtitles kept calling him Peewee. I love both of those for a turtle name, they're, they're both by the good. way. I agree. You, oh my gosh, when we get a cat, when we get another cat, I want to name him Chibi. Or her. <laughs> Chibi Peewee? No. Oh. One or the other. I got off track. Sorry. So Gamera's heading to a geothermal plant in Hokkaido, and there's more radio interference. This keeps coming up, but it doesn't really have a plot point. There's a few things like that in this movie where they mention, they establish this this fact that doesn't really ever come into play. It just keeps getting mentioned for no reason, so it kind of feels like a thread that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. I guess Gamera in this movie can cause radio interference. It's a power that never happens again in any of the movies. It's weird. 
And they do discuss it, and they do try to explain it later, but it never really has an effect on anything. Nope, doesn't do anything other than waste some time in the movie. Not even that, really. They Not have really very quick workarounds for this. Yeah. So the trio, Dr. Hidaka, Kyoko, and Aoyagi, arrive in Hokkaido, and they're trying to help the soldiers or the people on the geothermal plant try to figure out what to do with him. And Dr. Hidaka is saying, well, heat won't affect him because he wasn't affected by a nuclear bomb. So obviously, heat's not going to help. Makes sense. So maybe try electricity. It's a nuclear plant. It produces electricity. It's kind of what it does. Yeah. So they turn up all the switches to max. Mm-hmm. I don't know how nuclear plants work. And, or geothermal plants, even. Yeah. And they try to... Um, zap him, but he just does not care, and in fact seems like he's growing stronger. They basically said, let's do that really big, cool scene from Godzilla here, but let's do it in like two seconds and not care about it. They try cannons, which don't work. He starts eating the fire, very similar to Yongari. Uh As we said during Yongari, Yongari. The suit was made by the people who made a lot of Gamera suits, so that connection is definitely real. According to Gamera.jp, the official Gamera website, this is just a fun fact that I found and I needed to share it. Showa Gamera's favorite foods are oil, coal, high-voltage electricity, missiles, and nuclear power. His least favorite foods are carrots and onions. Hey, we have something in common. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate that. I don't like carrots. You and Gamera would get along. But this is a big thing for Gamera is he eats, like, energy. Onions. He doesn't eat onions. Not when he can help it. But he eats, like, energy sources. Which is kind of cool. Amanda, I have... Suit. Well, hold on. Dang it. I've, Stop I've, teasing me. I have three new options. Uh, or I have one new option to add to the three. Anyway, suit, suit actor, or why is Gamera a turtle? Okay, so now I'm really tempted to do that one, but I feel like I already said suits are going to stick to my guns. Suit for a thousand. All right. So Gamera's suit. I couldn't find exactly who was in charge of making the suit. Uh, it may have been the special effects director, Yonasaburo Tsukiji. I couldn't really find much about Tsukiji in general, so let's just say it's Tsukiji. He had... I do know that Tsukiji had some friends at Toho, and he called in some favors while they were making the movie. They did not make the Gamera suit from scratch. They didn't like try and figure out how to make a suit for Gamera from square one. They had some help from people at Toho, the people who are experts at making monster suits. And the... It's not really what I picture. I always picture it as like a rivalry, so it's weird to think of Toho helping them out. Yeah, they... I don't think it was the company. I think he just knew some people at Toho and he called in some favors. So I think that's kind of cool. The Gamera suit used for the majority of the filming was six and a half feet tall and only 110 pounds. It was... Very light for a monster suit. They benefited from getting into the game late when the technology had evolved a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Oh no, I do have in my notes. The suit was built by Kanji and Koei Yagi, who also built the 
Godzilla suit used in the first Godzilla film. So, again, I don't know exactly who was in charge of, you know, ordering it or anything, but those two made the suit. Again, their technology had improved a lot since then. A second significantly heavier suit was used for the fire-breathing scenes to protect the actor. That would make sense, especially because it would also have to have some sort of flamethrower inside it, because you can see the nozzle, again, just like Yongari. Yep. Uh, And you know what? On that, Gamera's fire was created with pressurized propane. Uh, Rumor has it that... One of the small mechanical models for Gamera, like they used a few mechanical models, I'll point them out when we talk about those scenes. One of those exploded. Hopefully not with a person inside. No, no one was injured. That's good. They already have a leg up on Godzilla. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So long story short, none of the things they're doing is working. So they tell all the soldiers or whoever's at this base, stop shooting. Just evacuate the people. We'll work on getting a solution. Because all of these just seem to be making him stronger. Mm-hmm. Making him... What Did you write down the specific wording? They're making him ecstatic or something like that? I did not write that down. So they head to Dr. Morase, who's the one who called them here. He's a paleontologist in very old, bad old man makeup. Not as bad as some later people, but not great. He looks like Colonel Sanders. I was just about to say Colonel Sanders, yes. That is exactly true. Well, we both had the same thought because he really, really does. Yeah. And in fact, the commentary track I listened to for this movie, they also mention that he looks like Colonel Sanders. That's great. It's because he, like, anybody looking at him could not argue that he looks like Colonel Sanders. And also, no one could argue that he looks like an actual old person. He just looks like a middle-aged man that they taped some, some hair on. So Dr. Morase is talating about how Plato wrote about fire-eating monsters. Did he? Don't know where he got that from. And he thinks that Gamera's cellular tissue is so dense that it's more resistant than the strongest alloys. Don't know how he knows that. I don't know how a paleontologist would know that. <laughs> don't know how he would know that. It's interesting to me that the experts they continually call in are a paleontologist and a zoologist. Yeah. Not literally anything else. I don't understand. Nuclear physicist. Anyone who's an expert in any sort of energy since he eats it. I don't know. He proposes that Gamera can take inorganic matter and make it into organic matter. Not how that works. Sure. And that nuclear fusion energy nourishes him. He takes a look at the tablet that they bring in and he says, those lines are clearly waves. I don't know why everyone's so obsessed with these lines. (laughs) And... He calls it a rudimentary form of Eskimo expression. I don't know a lot about Inuit or Yapik art. I don't know if they do slash did a lot of stone carvings like this. It seems like they wouldn't. But, you know, sure. Why not? Dr. Murase, the Colonel Sanders of the scene, is played by Jun Hamamura. A very prolific kaiju actor, best known to us for a bunch of Gamera movies. But also he was in Return of Ultraman and Ultraman Taro, two different Ultraman series. So Gamera is still rampaging and the military or whoever is running this operation, I believe it's the military, are kind of ignoring Dr. Hidaka's request and they're 
going to request a nuclear bomb from the, uh, the U.S., which seems very casual to me. Yeah. What was Dr. Hidaka requesting? That they not, um, that they cease fire and just evacuate people until he gets back. I get it, though. Like, yeah. this thing is destroying their power source. Yeah. And possibly a lot more than that. So, yeah. of course, they they feel like they can't just do nothing about it. So, I get it. But also, very casually just ordering a nuclear bombing of their own country. Which I think is in reference to that situation that I mentioned earlier where Japan was just kind of taking nukes for their own and a lot of the Japanese people were not big fans of that. I think that is in reference to that. Just the how casual people are to drop nukes on Japanese soil and that it's not mentioned at all that that's super messed up. At this point, it kind of feels like killing a fly with a tank. I mean, he's Gamera the Invincible. They don't know that. That's true. But right as they're deciding this, the trio plus Dr. Morase, mm-hmm. so the quadruple? The quadro. <laughs> the quadruple. Is a quadruple like a thruple but with four? Yes. Okay. The quadruple arrive back at the plant and they're talking about the soldier's plan to nuke Gamera at the gate. Like they pulled up to the gate and are just talking to the gate guards mm-hmm. about... Uh, why that's a bad idea when Toshio, who's in the crowd with his family, runs up and he's like, you can't. You can't kill Gamera. That's my turtle. Yeah, I forgot to mention he thinks that Gamera is chibi. Yeah, he's a crazy person. And so Dr. Hidaka is like, this kid has a point. Does he? He doesn't explain that further. He just says he has a point. And Dr. Morase says the bomb will elate it there you go that's what i was thinking of yeah that's what you were referring to earlier so dr morase and dr hidaka think cooling it will help and they call it operation deep freeze which they name before they have any plan of how to do this because they don't have any tools for this but luckily they just happen to have these experimental bombs that could be used in guerrilla warfare to freeze all forms of flora and fauna there and it's good for exactly 10 minutes. Sure. A little bit of hand-waving in there. Yeah, why not? Movie hand-waving. He's cold-blooded, so I get it. It makes sense. So as Gamera's, like, climbing up this mountain, they bomb him with these super freezing bombs. And they place dynamite in nooks around the mountain he's on that they drilled into the mountain below him. All in how long? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. It's a lot of work done in ten minutes. And they have this big explosion, and Gamera falls and lands on his back, and then everyone's congratulating themselves. And Dr. Morasa is like, now we just have to wait for him to starve to death. Now we just watch him starve to death horribly. <laughs> and everyone's celebrating, and then he, like, pops his head in to his shell, and then his arms and legs... And he starts spinning mm-hmm. with, like, flames or jets, I guess, coming out of his limb holes. Yep, yep. <laughs> and starts flying, and then we see the flying saucer that was mentioned earlier. Yeah, he flies like a flying saucer. And, duh, the wavy lines weren't waves, they were clouds. They were clouds, wavy clouds. How could they be so foolish? Uh, I have a couple things I want to say here. Okay. First is, can you, I don't, I didn't watch any trailers for this movie, 
Can you imagine not knowing anything about Gamera, going to the movie? I, like, kaiju are a thing. I can buy into a giant turtle. This is me sitting there in the theater. Giant turtle? Absolutely. I buy it. Breathes fire? Totally. Absolutely. 100% on board. He eats fire. Sure, he needs fuel, I guess. That makes sense. He flies? (laughs) And not even traditionally. Like, he doesn't fly like Superman. He doesn't even have any propulsion that points downwards. Yep. He flies by shrinking into his shell and spinning really fast. Yep. Don't know how that lifts somebody into the air. But, yeah, that was my... That was my reaction when you first told me about this. Mm -hmm. You know, close to when we met. It's great. It's so good. It's such a, it's maybe the like most creative thing in a giant monster movie is the decision to make Gamera fly like a flying saucer. I really love it. Except for it doesn't. It doesn't need to make sense. They at least have one thing that points down so he has some lifting capability. They fix it in the 90s movies. They fix it in the Heisei movies. Do they? Or at least have them angled down a little bit so that you get that upward motion. They do that. But. It's not important for it to make sense. It's just cool. It's important to me. Too bad. Uh, Other things I wanted to mention. There were reportedly 25 different models they used for Gamera. And that's including suits and other stuff. When Gamera's climbing up the mountain in the, like, as part of this scene, that is a mechanical prop that, you know, had little arms that moved on their own and they were like dragging it with a string i already mentioned the one that later on will explode yeah there's 25 different cameras used for the film there's also making him fly was apparently an issue they had to get piano wires to lift it because that's just that that's how they did it that's how you do it and they had a lot of trouble getting all of the piano wires to lift at the same rate so that he would lift horizontally, especially since in this shot in particular, the shell is, he's already kind of crooked because he's he landed on the bottom end of a hill or a mountain, I guess. And so getting it to lift right so that it was perfectly balanced was really difficult for them. Add to that the fact that there's flames shooting out of the prop while they're trying to lift it and spin it. It was all very complicated and at least one uh, a time that they were trying to f- make the suit fly, it snapped the piano wires and fell and caused a small fire. Oh. And I get it. It seems tough, especially since they've never made a movie like this before. I wonder if you could do a thing where just the background moves, kind of like when they do car chases, like old car chases. Uh, maybe. Where they just have like the background moving behind it. Yeah. If you have the background go from mon- uh, mountains to air... Then you just have to have it on like a platform and spin it. Hmm. That's a smart way to do it. I don't think they ever do that, but there's a smart way to do it. Or like you could have the the mountains in front of him, like physical props get pulled downward. Yeah. Out of the shot. These are all good, good plans. It definitely wouldn't have looked as good. I do think they did a good job with the end result of this scene in particular, but. Yeah. The fact that even in this movie where they were figuring it out and everything, it still looks pretty good. And then later on, they do it all the time. I think that that says a lot for how cool it is. Yeah, I do think that Gamera is a very 
well done part of this movie. Yeah. The people I could give or take. Gamera's done pretty well. He does walk a little weird. It looks like they told a person who's never acted before to pretend he was a giant monster. Sure. Like, he kind of raises his arms up and, like, swings his legs outward Mm -hmm. as he walks. It's Mm -hmm. a little, like, goofy looking, but it's fine. I I give it a pass. Yeah. So, Gamera flew away. People don't know where he is. Toshio and his family have since moved to Hokkaido. And I guess Toshio brought the stones he had used with him for Chibi's house. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know why it has to be these stones. I Maybe don't. he's thinking it will bring him home somehow. I don't know. I don't understand what the goal is there. But Gamera's been spotted all over the world. There haven't been any attacks. Um, Toshio and his sister have come to visit Dr. Hidaka and Kyoko. And Do we know why they know each other? They met at the gate in the last That's scene. That's literally it? Yeah. They, they were like, hey, kid that thinks that Gamera is his friend. Move into my home. Why not? They didn't invite him to live with them. They just said if he's ever in Tokyo, he can stop by and visit. Eh. They literally say that in the movie. I guess. So they come to visit. (laughs) This is the part that I'm fine with that you seem to have a weird sticking point on. (laughs) Not the part about the kid who throws himself into danger left and right. Oh, I definitely have a problem with that. Or the stalker creepy photographer. I definitely have a problem with that. Or the Spinning turtle that shoots flames out of its arms. No, that's awesome. Anyway. That's where you go too far. So he's there. He's insisting Gamera's good and lonely. And he's just hungry, which gives Dr. Hidaka a little bit of a idea. Yeah. He comes back later. Yeah. There's a little bit of a scene where Toshio's cousin, who they're staying with, they're staying with his uncle and cousin right now. Toshio's cousin threw out his rocks. The uncle, who actually is probably the best parental figure in it, scolds his son mm-hmm. and offers to buy Toshio new rocks. But he says, no, they're irreplaceable. And this is just like, no, it's fine. We're just going to throw them out anyway. That's what I mean. They're just constantly talking about throwing away his stuff. I know. I don't. I don't get it. I feel like the uncle handled it well. Absolutely. If it's important to somebody, you should respect that. No matter how silly you think it is. And he welcomes them into his home. And he's having his sales aren't doing well for whatever reason. Probably there's a giant monster and things are weird. Sure. But he's still very happy to have them there. He's like the coolest parental figure in the movie. Yes. So then we see Dr. Hidaka giving a presentation to somebody we don't really ever see who he's presenting to he's kind of giving us some exposition about all we know about gamma so far he says gamma is attracted to and consumes fire he flies with jet propulsion he has an internal power plant that emits a signal frequency that can jam radios sure he consumes inorganic resources like petroleum and other mineral and fossil fuels and he may seek out nuclear bombs and other nuclear energy sources. But he's... And people are worried that Gamera will come for their uranium stores. So they're kind of prepping for that. hmm mm-hmm. All the fish on the Pacific coast have died. There's sudden flooding in Tokyo Bay, which is, hasn't been explained, but only in Tokyo Bay. And there's been a lot of shipping accidents due to radio jamming. So Dr. Hidaka gives this press conference where he thinks there's a preponderance of evidence that Gamera is hiding at the bottom of Tokyo Bay, which, duh. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Huh, my radio doesn't work in this one spot. There's flooding, as if there is some giant thing in the water raising the water up. 
And all the fish in this one area have died. Mm. I wonder if Gamera's supposed to be radioactive. I mean, that would make sense. He does eat radiation. He eats radiation. He puts out, like, a signal that messes with radios. The fish are just dying around him. I wonder if he was supposed to be radioactive and that didn't really make it into the movie. I mean, they have a lot of weird facts that just get thrown in for no reason. That's just Gamera for you. So they're talking about how they've they've called this enclave of an international scientist from America and the Soviet Union, um, which have all convened on Japan. Convened in Japan. Convened of Japan. <laughs> and they're all discussing Plan Z, which they say is practically infallible. It better be. There's no more letters. Except for it goes wrong so many times. It really does. So they build this whole research center, this whole building out in the mountains in Japan to, I guess, commence this Plan Z. But they have to have time to build it. So then we get some scenes of Gamera starting to get aggressive again. They show this control tower. Oh, I just put together. I wonder if he's like starting to get hungry. He ate all that food, had a big meal, got a little sleepy, took a nap at the bottom of Tokyo Bay. And now he's getting aggressive again and he's getting hungry again. So we get this shot of some people in the control tower and you see Gamera's UFO form pass overhead. They're all just kind of looking at him and not really doing anything. And he passes overhead again. It's like in the horror movies. When people decide to go into the big spooky building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't open that door. We were just yelling at this at this screen. Just leave. <laughs> it's like he's giving you a warning. I don't even feel bad at this point. No. So, of course, he then crashes into the airport and explodes the whole thing. So it wouldn't have helped anyway. But, you know, at least try to get away. Put don't just some... accept that you're, you're going to die. Put in some effort. Amanda. Yes. Suit actor... Or, why Gamera Turtle? I'd like to go for, why Gamera Turtle for 200, Alec? Alex? Alex? Alex. Alec Trebek. Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek? Alex Trebek. Mr. Trebek. Mr. Trebek. Uh, We were talking about the director, Noriaki Yuasa. Mr. Yuasa was handed a project that had been proposed in the past. uh, And that was the Gamera project. So... It, he was handed that project by the producer Hidemasa Nagata, who was vice president of Dae at the time and the son of the founder of Dae. He produced a majority of the Showa Gamera movies. The president, the guy right above him, uh, Masaichi Nagata, claimed that he came up with the idea for Gamera when he looked out the window of a plane and saw a cloud that looked like a flying turtle. Now, that story seems fine. And on the surface, I would have no reason to doubt it. However, it is almost exactly word for word the uh, story of how Tomoyuki Tanaka came up with Godzilla. He was flying, he was in an airplane, looked down at the water and thought, wow, wouldn't it be scary if there was a monster in the water? The fact that they have almost the same origin is curious to me at best. I was going to say a a cloud shaped like a turtle. I could totally see that, but that's a little... Yeah. It's almost tongue-in-cheek. It's so close. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Another story is P Productions founder Tomio Sagisu disputes that story, saying that Dae stole one of the monster ideas he had for a half-hour kaiju TV show. The proposed series was 
he shopped it around to all the major studios. It was rejected by all of them, including Dae. And one of the teleplays he posed had the description, The turtle monster flies by pulling its head into its shell and shooting flames. Sounds a lot like Gamera. So whether they stole the idea or this guy saw a turtle in the clouds and came up with the idea, who knows what the actual story is, but that is kind of why Gamera is a turtle. They handed this project to the director, Noriaki Iwasa, after his previous project failed. And I just want to talk about that very briefly because it's a fun story. Inspired by the recent release of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, which are about birds. birds. <laughs> <laughs> his next project after, you know, that uh, comedy musical film was going to be a movie about giant rats in Tokyo called Dai Gunju Nezura, or The Great Rat Swarm. The project would involve filming real rats swarming over cities, and they had a lot of issues in production. They first tried to use lab rats because they were domestic and it was fine, but a lot of the lab rats just kind of hung out. They didn't want to do anything particularly scary, and also lab rats are just very white and very cute and not great for being scary monsters. So what they did was they went out and they caught some real sewer rats. <laughs> oh, no. I, I just, the disease. Yes. And set them out in a miniature of the city. These rats had fleas that got everywhere. The rats fought each other. There were some stories of cannibalism among the rats. Uh... It was a bad time. Why would they do that? <laughs> so the project got shut down. Yeah. And they took... The remain, as far as I understand, they took the remaining budget from this partially made film and put it towards Gamera. Here's a half of a movie. Try exactly. again. So the fact that they came up with a full movie at all is very impressive to me. Cannibal rats. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Feels weird to go back to Gamera after <laughs> cannibal rats, but <laughs> let's try. So Tokyo's evacuating. The police try to go evacuate this club there's some crashing sounds and one of the the guys at the club one of the like teenagers i think he's supposed to be goes up he's like what camera nothing's gonna stop this shindig that's the translation at least <laughs> so the music had stopped during the crashing it starts back up again and everyone's partying and then the building collapses it's very similar to a scene in yongari there's a lot of connections between this and yongari i feel yeah. like yeah when did yongari come out I don't remember. After this, because it was one of the suit makers from Gamera, right? Yeah. It's 1967. So very soon after this. Mm -hmm. So Gamera's raging. He's crushing buildings and breathing fire. He pulls down Tokyo Tower. Poor Tokyo Tower is always getting pulled down. Yeah. Nobio, who's Toshio's sister, is trying to pack and evacuate. And Toshio is just ignoring her. She's like, Toshio, we have to leave. And he's just sitting at the window, staring out, watching Gamera wreck stuff. And he's saying, Gamera, please don't do anything bad. As he's destroying buildings and killing people. Gamera is currently murdering hundreds. So then they're they're loading up the car, Nobio and her father, and Toshio's missing. I can't with this kid. So then we get a glimpse of the scientific enclave that has been called, and there's just a bunch of guys sitting around a table, and they all look real bad. Yeah. There's one guy in particular who it looks like he's just like a young dude 
that they glued like white felt to his face to try to give him an old age appearance and they like spray painted his hair white it's real bad it's not good there's a lot of bad old age makeup i don't know why they didn't just hire actual 50 60 70 year old people or just make the characters the age that the actors are i know i don't even know what age they were aiming for just because they didn't do anything to his face they just glued on white facial hair so i don't even know what age they were going for it's baffling but one of them says we all the world scientists are at your disposal in full cooperation and technical support to dr hidaka and i just think it's such a like patting ourselves on the back we're the greatest and everyone bows to us and i totally get it america does this all the time but i just thought it's so heavy-handed that yeah. it's funny yeah but they say their plan's almost ready. It'll be done in 24 hours. They just need to keep Gamera at bay until then. Dr. Hidaka proposes that maybe Gamera's violence is from a limited energy supply, which is what Toshio kind of put into his head earlier. He's a hungry boy. And what I was finally seeing kind of now that we've talked about it after watching it twice already. <laughs> I didn't give this movie much credit. Yeah. So seeing it again, I think does help a bit. You start looking past the bad plot yes <laughs> acting <laughs> to more of the higher points of the film sure so he's currently at an oil refinery consuming fires but they believe it'll burn out within eight hours oil is one of his favorite foods <laughs> so their plan is to bring in more petroleum to continue to feed the fires and keep them going until the project finishes what they're doing is they're filling these train cars with oil or petroleum or whatever gas whatever you want to call it from wherever you live <laughs> and then they're just rolling them at gamera who's kind of sitting at one end of these train tracks and they're just pushing them in his direction where they get to the fires and explode and then he's happy toshio suddenly shows up and jumps on one of these train cars because he wants to get gamera's attention just let him just let him do it i know <laughs> just let him dig his own grave. He's bound and determined to do it. Just he's, let him. He's got a death wish. Just, just let him. One thing I did notice, however, Gamera's wildly changing sides, sizes from scene to scene. In the, in the lighthouse scene, Toshio fits comfortably in the palm of his hand. Like, he's not a tiny speck on his hand. But in this scene, he's picking up whole train cars very comfortably. Yeah, I think that that is partially because they have so many different camera props. And so it's hard to make sure that they're all the right thing. And also, when they're adapting the city from the Rat Swarm movie, they couldn't change it. And so it had realize, to be a different... I didn't realize they used the same city. Yeah, that was why they decided it had to be a giant monster movie, was because they had this city that they needed to use or else destroy. it would be a, yeah or else it would be a waste of time that's great i wonder if there's any like hidden rat carcasses <laughs> there's probably a lot of fleas half-eaten rat carcasses Ugh. so toshio gets on a train car as it's being pulled in by gamera and one of the refinery employees like is trying to stop him he jumps onto the car with him and he's trying to force him off the car but he won't go and then it explodes so the employee like shields toshio and they get flung that guy deserves a raise i know or a medal of honor or a medal 
And then while Toshio is kind of out of it for obvious reasons, he mm-hmm. carries him away and then sends him home. The like nicest response. Yep. I would be so mad if this kid put himself in danger and made me risk my life to go save his suicidal butt. Yeah. Go just stick him in prison for a little bit. He'll be fine. Just like lock him in a room somewhere until it's all gone. Yep. Put a blanket over his head like a bird. He'll fall asleep. (laughs) Over his head? Yep. Not over the windows? Uh, that too. Both. You don't put blankets on the bird's heads. Well, I guess that's true. I thought you were like, I was envisioning some like torture scene where they're like tied to a chair with like a burlap sack over their head. (laughs) So at this point, Plan Z is ready. They need to lure Gamera out to Oshima Island where the research base has been set up. Don't really know what they're doing with it yet. I don't know why they'd want to lead him to the place where they're all at, but that's the plan. So Dr. Hidaka thinks he has a way to do that. Dr. Hidaka and his team start heading to Oshima Island. And they tell Oyagi, sorry, no press, you gotta stay here, but you can go hang out with Dr. Murase, because you can get the play-by-play with him. Sure. And he says, I hate to say goodbye to my goddess of good luck. Oh god, just shut up. Every time he opens his mouth, I swear to god. And then Toshio sneaks onto a crate bound for Oshima Island. He just does not give up. That's normally a good character trait in movies, but I really wish he had some more giving up in him. But he doesn't even have any sort of plan. I wish he had more up to give. And then Nobuyo comes looking for him, and so people are kind of on the lookout. Toshio finally gets caught when the crate arrives at Oshima Island. And they allow him to stay as long as he stays out of the way, so Kyoko kind of takes him to the side and watches over him. Which is really her only role in the movie. The only thing she's done so far is she greeted him when he showed up. At the the research center earlier. Right. And got hit on awkwardly by the creep. I was about to say. is the babysitter for all the worst characters in this movie. I was about to say that the main thing she's done in this movie is be sexually harassed. And then be a mother. And then be a, uh, uh, yes. A motherly figure. Yeah. One thing I didn't notice the first watch through, but I did notice the second. They sent out ships to Oshia trailing oil. And they were dumping oil from barrels into the sea. But I didn't notice the ship the first time you see the ship go through. But I didn't notice the first time it had like hoses coming off the back of it, dumping oil in like a train behind it. I didn't notice that at all. I pointed it out to you the second time. Oh, well, I don't remember noticing it. (laughs) They kindly give Nobuyo an update on her brother who they found. And they shoot the barrels that are in the water to light a fire that... Um, creates a trail of fire for Gamera to start following. This Gamera, I believe, is the one that exploded. The When there's a, oh, a trail it. of gas leading to the Gamera and he's eating it, I believe that is the one that exploded. That would make sense. He's eating he's eating fuel that is on fire. Yeah. And, like, I, I think that normally the, the like nozzle isn't that close to fire going like that isn't coming out of it but because it was so close to the fire i think that it got close to the tanks and it exploded that makes sense i was impressed by the scene they did a really good job it looked really good absolutely amanda now your choice is camera suit actor um that's a hard decision i i really have to say why camera turtle nope 
I already did that. Fine. Gamera Suit Actor. Short answer to who played Gamera is me kind of shrugging. Uh, long answer is that it was a bunch of people. They would do a scene and then quit. Because it sucked to be Gamera. The suit wasn't particularly heavy. I don't know why they were quitting for Gamera in particular, but a lot of people... I bet it's a combination of bad job and bad pay. Yeah, maybe. Sorry. Let me let me uh, correct that a little bit. They didn't quit. That was me exaggerating. They would just... It was basically the special effects team would all kind of draw lots to see who had to be Gamera next. But the one person who is credited is Kazuo Yagi, who ended up being Gamera the most. So he's who we credit as Gamera. I don't really know anyone else who played Gamera, but it was a lot of people. They did not like it. I also briefly wanted to finish my story about the director making this movie. Oh, you meant come back to that later in this episode i thought you meant in a future episode just very just very briefly he inherited the gamma assignment because of the giant rat movie that failed and was constantly belittled by the studio execs and other colleagues who believed the film would fail and could not possibly compete with godzilla uh, yuasa took courses in special effects filmmaking and directed a lot of the film's effects himself in cooperation with the main special effects director he received a lot of criticism from his staff and from the people working underneath him stuff like that and there was a lot of talk of hiring Subaraya productions the people who make ultraman to come in and complete the film but he refused and was determined to get the film done why didn't they like him I don't know if it was they didn't like him. I think it was just they didn't have faith in the project because it, it wasn't, it was in a genre that wasn't Daya's normal thing. It didn't have a lot of budget. They just assumed it would fail. And so they were trying to express that, I guess. I don't know. But he, he did it. This is a movie, like we said in the beginning. It is a movie. And he makes a lot of the later Showa Gamera movies too. So he, he can, he can make a movie. Gosh darn it. So. Gamera is eating fire on his way to Oshima Island where the plan's going to go off without a hitch, right? Yes. And then the movie ends. The end. No. So this is where it all starts going wrong. So a big storm is heading in their direction. Sure, fine, whatever. It's Japan that happens. And it puts out the fire. Rain plus fire equals no more fire. Sure. Usually. I mean, I don't know how that would actually work in a oil fire. It wouldn't, but that's okay. <laughs> I think the idea was the winds put it out, but still. So they considered using the fuel they had for Plan Z, which just makes me wonder at this point, what the heck is Plan Z? But they said they needed the fuel, so they can't use that. Mm -hmm. And then one of the workers runs up and starts setting just this random building on fire. Doesn't check if there's people inside, just like... And so people run up to try to stop him, and it, and it turns out it's Aoyagi. He's like, no, 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 we need more fire. He likes fire. Let's set some fires. Which, you know, makes sense. But maybe not start with the buildings. Maybe say something first. Yeah. Maybe clear the building first. Maybe break off pieces of the building and set that on fire. Yeah. So, in this Aoyagi's most heroic moment, I just want to mention the actor's name because I don't have a lot about him. Junichiro Yamashita. Most famous for this movie and some Zatoichi movies. I don't like him. Closest he gets to being a hero is setting a building on fire. 
And I think, I mean, this this is a plan that solves the problem. It's not necessarily the best one they could have done, but I think I'm being extra harsh just because he is a creep. Oh, yeah. So Gamera starts heading over, but the rain is putting out the fire as they're setting it. Mm-hmm. He eats oil. Why can't they just put out oil for him? I think he eats oil on fire. Uh, maybe that's true. Like, it's the, the energy, not the energy source. That's that true. Eats. That makes sense. And then the volcano on the island that they're on explodes. Yes. Didn't know they were on a volcano. Didn't know it was active. Well, this is a real island in Japan. So people in Japan would know that there was a volcano there. That just happens to explode in the moment they need it. There's a history to this volcano exploding when it is needed. We will see this volcano again in Godzilla 1985. And it explodes in just the right time? It does. Is that how he dies in that movie? It's how they get rid of Godzilla in that movie. I knew you said that he died from volcano before. Not died, but he does fall into a volcano, yes. I knew you told me that he was defeated by a volcano before. Yes, that is this volcano. It's funny. It's the problem-solving volcano. (laughs) So, yeah, volcano explodes whatever i'm over it at this point it's the heroic volcano (laughs) and gamera starts heading back in the right direction dr marasa and nobuyo arrive in a helicopter at the research station and toshio comes running up to her and drags her inside to watch plan z and kyoko calls them over to watch she's like it's starting i would be so furious if i was nobuyo i would not let him watch this plan go off after he almost kills himself multiple times and other people and runs away from me in the middle of an evacuation his punishment would be he doesn't get to watch this yeah i would be so angry yeah so they lure gamera to this target that they have in the ground with Mm -hmm. some flames being shot up all around the target and when he steps on it, they start closing him in this capsule thing that comes up from below him. And then he gets launched into space. Like Planet Hulk. In a very suggestive shaped rocket. It looks like the rocket that Jeff Bezos flew into space in. It looks... It really does. It's very phallic. So a narrator comes on. He said, Plan Z was a success by world scientists... And Gamera was sent to Mars. <laughs> it's very specific. What did you think of Plan Z? Uh, it was one the one point of this movie that I never told you about, I think, ahead of time. It's fine, <laughs> I guess. They could have, I don't know, there's a lot hinging on him being at the exact spot they needed him to be in. Like, exact spot, nothing hanging over the side for long enough for him to be closed in and that he wouldn't be strong enough to break down the barriers of this thing that they're shooting up into space. And if you're sending a rocket to a specific planet like Mars, you have a very small window to do it in, too. Also, he has the ability to shoot jet propulsion stuff from his limbs. How would that affect? Are you suggesting that this may not be the end of Gamera? I'm just saying he flies, okay? (laughs) We don't know if he needs oxygen. We know he flies. So Dr. Hidaka goes to Kyoko and Aoyagi, all this, everyone's celebrating. He walks up to them and he tells Kyoko to take a break from being, he tells her to take a break from our research and quote unquote, be Aoyagi's goddess for a change. 
which just, like, he was such a fine character up to this point, and then he suddenly hands her to her stalker. <laughs> yeah, it's super gross. Well, he does spend the rest of the movie just kind of chuckling and, and or ignoring it, so he wasn't great in regards to the sexual harassment going on to his employee or whatever, but, you know, it's the 60s. So then he walks up to Toshio and asks if he's lonely, and Toshio says, no, because I'm going to be a scientist just like you and go visit him one day. And he seems all happy with this solution, even though they just shot his turtle into space. I don't. I'm just shaking my head. I don't know. So, yeah, that's Gamera. That's Gamera. That's Gamera. And you can't make me watch it ever again. Only if, let's pinky promise... I'll never see uh, Gorgo again, and you'll never see Gamera, the giant monster again. You don't want to watch Gorgo? You'd rather watch Gamera than Gorgo? Yeah, I've seen Gamera significantly fewer times. Fine. Last two little tidbits I want to bring up. The writer for the film is Nisan Takahashi. He was a writer for all of the Showa Gamera movies. In fact, his last movie ever was Gamera Super Monster, which is the last of the Showa Gamera movies. It's bad. <laughs> um, and the music, I don't remember the music very well. I don't. It didn't really stick out in my brain. But music is by Tadashi Yamauchi, who studied directly underneath Akira Ifukube. It did not sound like Ifukube music to no, me. It, no, it did not. But, you know, he studied underneath him. <laughs> Was he one of his A students or one of his, like, sat in the back and fell asleep students? <laughs> Directly underneath. He was his only student for a time. Oh. And uh, he composed for this movie and for Gamera vs. Gauss, which is the third movie in the Showa series. So what do you think? Everyone clearly knows what I think about this movie. What do you think? It's not great. It's not good. When I grew up, the only version of this movie that I had access to was Gamera the Invincible, which is the American version, which I didn't talk about that much. Really, the only changes are that they move some stuff around, they cut a couple things, and most importantly, and maybe sadly, they replace all the American actors with actual actors. So they replace all those military scenes with people who can actually act. I totally understand that choice because those were not intended for anyone who speaks English to hear. No. But. It is sad. That was the most interesting part of the movie. So I <laughs> also feel bad for anyone who had to watch the updated version without the few funny, interesting parts. Yeah. And it, apparently it was the only Gamera movie, only show a Gamera movie to ever make it to American theaters because of that. And it was the second ever kaiju movie on MST3K. It was. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know if I would consider, I don't know which version I would consider better. They're both not great. Gamera I, 1 and 2? Uh, no, Gamera, Giant Monster Gamera and Gamera the Invincible. Oh, got it. The Japanese version and the American version. I don't know which I would say is better. They're both not amazing. They are certainly not the worst monster movies i've ever seen are they not they're maybe the most boring okay to me the worst means boring because sure. it can be good or it can be funny and both will be a pleasant experience to watch sure and then there's just boring and i feel like i'm never gonna get these two hours of my life back or in our case four hours of our lives sure so i think i just 
I don't know. It's kind of boring. That's that's my biggest thing. The Gamera itself, A+. I, I love Gamera's design, his roar, the fact that he flies like a flying saucer. Yeah, sure. Gamera was good. It's all good stuff. Some of the plot wasn't too bad. I do like the motivations of Gamera, now that, especially now that I've had more time to analyze it. Dr. Hidaka was fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The uncle of Toshio was a cool guy, I guess. Yeah. End of list. End of list. Who would you recommend this movie for? Who? I would recommend the MST3K version to a lot of people. I was just about to say that. But the movie itself... Only the most diehard of kaiju enthusiasts. I Yeah, like, if you love Gamera, then you have to see this movie. But it's one of the hardest ones to find a person to recommend it to. I guess if you just really love watching children do make bad decisions and not have to pay for them and not have consequences it's for the type of people who like caillou yeah i guess so that's the people we recommend it to if you like caillou you would like gamera yeah we don't get much of gamera's personality in this movie so i think i'll save the question for who would play gamera in our live action thing for a different movie in our totally imaginary slice of life movie we're creating yeah exactly i think that i think we'll save gamera for a different movie and just like in a marvel movie this movie should have had gamera will return in gamera versus barugan baragon barugan baragon barugan we're We're saying the same thing we're gonna talk about this when it (laughs) happens we are gonna watch the gamera movies in order uh for a very specific reason which is Some of the later Gamera movies just show clips of the previous ones. (laughs) Just for their full runtime. Sounds familiar. It's just a clip show, basically. So not watching them in order would not make a lot of sense. So we will see, next time we return to Gamera, we will see Gamera versus Barugan. 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 Same thing. So if you are interested in telling us how we were wrong and how this is a great movie or that you agree with us and that it's very boring and not the best representation of Gamera. You can contact us at Kaiju Island podcast at gmail.com or tweet us at, at Island Kaiju. Our intro and outro are manga maniac by Olive Music. And once again, thank you for listening. Let's all fight bravely as a team. Punch, punch, punch. Gamera is really neat. He is made of turtle meat. We all love him, Gamera. I don't think that's the lyrics. Anyway, bye. Done. I never ever have to think about Gamera again.